there, and welcome back to another episode of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Today is all about co-packing, and we are welcoming back one of my favorite experts on the topic, Ashley Sutterfield, the creator of Co-Packing with Ashley and the owner of Sage Expert. So take everything that you know about co-packing, take everything that you assume about co-packing, and throw it out the window because Ashley brings a radically fresh approach to co-packing, one that is based off relationships and values. In today's show, Ashley is going to share her six simple steps to scaling production with the right co-packer, and you're going to learn her approach that is centered around taking it one step at a time, all while staying calm and centered and true to yourself. It is simple but comprehensive, and Ashley is going to guide us every step of the way on today's show. Let's get started. I'm Allie Ball, former grocery buyer and retail store manager turned wholesale consultant. In my role on the retail floor, I saw delicious, values-driven brands fail on our shelves simply because they didn't understand the behind the scenes of wholesale. I created the Food Biz Whiz podcast to give you hard-to-access insight from my career in the food industry and the tools and strategies to help you succeed on retail shelves. If you're a committed food founder who's looking to create and grow a packaged products business that positively impacts our food system, puts wealth back into your own hands, and employs members of your local community, you have found the right podcast. Let's do this. The wholesale success system might be just the thing that saves your sanity and your business this year. You can learn the system later this month in my free training. Want to join? Find the registration link in our show notes. If you feel like it's pure luck if a wholesale buyer opens your sales emails or responds to your pitches or places a first order, it's time for a new way. If you do make contact with that buyer, but then you don't hear back and you don't know how or when or why or heck even what to say to get them to finally slot you on the shelf, it's time for a new way. And if you do land on that shelf, but then you leave it up to the store or your broker or your distributor, who, let's be real, has likely promised you the world, if you leave it up to them to get your product into shoppers' baskets, it's time for a new way. Stop leaving your sales success in the hands of others. You are responsible for your success, and you can do it with a simple system in place. It's time to stop playing whack-a-mole in your business. I'm outlining exactly what to do instead and how to put a repeatable, effective sales system in place this season. Are you ready for easy? Click on through to the show notes and save your spot in our Wholesale Success System Workshop. See you there. Hi, Ashley. Welcome back to the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Thanks for having me, Allie. You're welcome. I think think that you might be the only industry expert that we've had on here multiple times. And Ashley, I got to say, it's for a really good reason. It's your refreshing, doable, value-centric approach to finding the right co-packer. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us again. Well, thank thank you, you. Allie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm honored. It's just a joy to be able to talk about giving people hope around co-packing. Yeah. Your perspective is one that's desperately needed in our industry. I think um, let's kick off by telling, we'll admit to our listeners that we were talking offline a bit about how how so many people have a 
have a challenging time with co-packers or have this, this narrative that it has to be hard. It has to be difficult. And time and time again, Ashley, you prove that that's not true. Yeah. I think co-packing, you know, it can feel so heavy sometimes when we hear the negative stories and really I want people to get to hear the exciting stories, the ones that are truly like really productive and fruitful for brands and being able to know that there's a way to go about co-packing that is very relationship-based where you're partnering with the right co-packer and there's just such a nice pace that we can take as we go through the process that gives you peace of mind and the ability to like really be heart centric about the growth of your production. Great. I am here for it. I am. I'm really excited for this episode. So before we dive in, Ashley, let's just paint a little bit of a picture for our listeners. If it's the very first time that they are hearing about you, if it's the very first time they've had the pleasure of getting to know you, give us the 60 second overview of who the heck you are and why you are so passionate about changing this narrative around co-packing. Mm. Well, I have founded Co-Packing with Ashley and it is all about the work and the insight that I have around working with so many co-packers and brands who have partnered with the right co-packer. And I've gotten to see firsthand and experienced this journey of hope that we have to really help businesses grow their brand and be able to sell more product because their production is supporting them. And I come from a background of food science and over time of really transitioned into the space, very focused on co-packing and helping yeah. brands grow their production and scale their businesses. Awesome. It's essential. You know, we, yeah. we see brands get to get to a point and usually, usually the energy starts getting a little bit more and more frantic, a little bit more scrambly. There's a pressure to scale the production. And usually I bet that's where you sweep in, right? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that pressure is the yeah. point where a lot of people get to, they feel that, gosh, they're pressured to find not just a, co a co-packer. It's like, let me find any co-packer at this mm. point. And so helping brands take a step back and really identify who they are as a brand and understand that their whole business is tied together. And so we want production to be done in a way that benefits their whole business. And so it, it means like approaching co-packing or growing their production in a way that we want to relieve some of that pressure and like really look at it as finding the right co-packer. Yes. Okay. So you've got six steps on how to do this. Why don't you tell me the six steps from the high level? And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into each one on today's show. Yeah, that sounds great. So it begins with getting clear about the future. And once we've done that, then defining what the right way to scale is for a brand. And then if it's co-packing to begin preparing for working with a co-packer mm -hmm. and then following a simple method of how to search for co-packers, exactly what to say when you reach out to them, knowing the right questions to ask and being able to talk to co-packers in a way that you identify the right co-packer yeah. 
and then beginning to test with a co-packer and having a successful production and then moving from testing into production and beyond into planning what's your sales plan and Mm. how is shipping going to figure in? What are all the details of building inventory and how is that going to serve your business? So we're starting to think beyond just the first production a little bit. Right. Right. Where are we going after that? Ashley, when you say it, and I said this in the intro too, it, it, when you outline those steps, they seem doable. They seem simple. Yeah. Why don't brands follow these steps? Well, I think for one, they're kind of unknown. It's Mm. not talked about very openly in the industry. And that's really what I'm trying to shift is that we pull back this veil and allow people to have the knowledge of what does this process look like? What should I expect when I start talking to co-packers? And what should I expect of the entire journey? Like Mm. this, you know, I think when we think about co-packing, there's this urgency to find that co-packer and we just begin the search without getting clear on how co-packing is really going to serve our businesses and then support us as a business owner, like what is my role? What do I want my role to be in the company? And how is this co-packing relationship going to support what I want for my life? And I think we don't always allow that time because we feel that urgency. Absolutely. Okay. So you're essentially saying that we all skip step number one, two, maybe we jump (laughs) right into three or four and, and most often because it's of the because of the urgency. It feels like we needed a co-packer yesterday. So let's assume that our listeners are not at the point where they are feeling that urgency, or maybe they are, but we still want them to follow your calm approach, (laughs) take a deep breath and start with step number one. So walk us, walk us through the first step. So that first step is really about, like I said, getting clear about your future. So it's asking questions about where do you want to be selling your product two or three years from now? Mm -hmm. What do you want your day-to-day life to look like? What's your end goal with your business? Is it to sell your business or to pass it on as a legacy within your family? And once you begin understanding what you want for your business and how it's going to fit into your life, then it's easier to see how scaling your production fits into that whole vision. Yeah. When you ask people to to reflect on these bigger questions, how do they do it? Is this a... Is this a journaling process? Is it a conversation with a peer? Is it a conversation with you? Like, Ashley, how do, how do people gain clarity about their future? And especially when it can feel like they're bigger questions. Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's kind of personal to each person that mm-hmm. can be journaling. I know for me, I'm a very big journaler. And so to me, that's really important to write it out on paper. Yeah. But I know for a lot of people that I work with, talking through it is important. And just being able to voice what your dreams are sometimes yeah. is so exciting. And we forget, we don't always focus on what's the big dream I have for my business? And so being able to express that to somebody else, whether that be a peer or a partner or someone in your business is really helpful, I think. And then to start asking those questions of, well, 
if that's my dream, how do I align with that dream? What does that mean for what my business is today and where I want to take it in the next few years on the path to that dream? Yeah. And what can happen if you skip this step? I think what I see most of the time is that we're not completely aligned on if co-packing is right for a brand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard to see sometimes if we don't take a step back to see that I truly enjoy production and maybe co-packing isn't right for me, Mm. or I want to sell my business. And that means that I can't be in the day-to-day long-term. So I need to take those steps to find a co-packer. Or maybe I simply can't grow my sales because I don't have enough me capacity to be able to increase my production. And so once we get clear on those, what we want, then it's easier to get that clarity for now. And if we skip that, then I think we skip a really important part of clarity. Yeah, absolutely. And even as you're talking through this, Ashley, I'm realizing that this doesn't have to be self-reflection that lasts months and months and months. It it could be, a, you could gain clarity in an hour, right? Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times I say like at the most, let's allocate a week or maybe two to it, but there's no need for it to be a long drawn out process. If you're someone who knows where you want to go, just getting that clarity of aligning with what that is and allowing a little bit of space for it. Great. Okay. So we align first, that's step number one. And then what, what's step number two? Step number two is defining what the right way to scale production is for you. And Mm. when I say that, like each of us have unique businesses and because we hear of co-packing, there is this pressure to think that co-packing is the only way to scale a business. And we often don't allow the space to think, well, is that truly the right path for me? And so really getting clear on okay, I have some production options. That could mean going to a co-packer. That could mean scaling my self-manufacturing. It Mm. could mean scaling my self-manufacturing and becoming a co-packer for others. So there's these paths that we don't often talk about. And then there's the hybrid path. Like if you want to choose a bit of each of those pieces, you could. And I think that there's not often a lot of knowledge that that's possible. And so... I see this as a way of really circumventing a lot of work. If co-packing is not what you see for your business and you truly want to keep producing your own product, that's okay. It's okay to structure your business that way. Thank you for saying that because I, I think, you know, I work with so many founders in Retail Ready who, for some reason, have this storyline that co-packing equals success. And that once you're ready, you know, quote unquote, ready for co-packing, it's somehow a benchmark of success in your business. And you're telling me that's not true. No, it's not. I think you have to know yourself, (laughs) know thyself, right? Like (laughs) it, knowing that you're unique and what you want for your business is unique. And I think I learned very early on in my process, I would see brands, we would get four months down the road and then they would have this moment of like, wait, 
co-packing is not the path I want to go down. And we had just spent four months and it made me realize that, oh, this is actually a conversation. These are actually questions that we need to address much earlier on in the process mm-hmm. because I, the last thing I want is for a brand to get four or five months down the road and then realize I'm going down the wrong, wrong path. Probably, I'm not yeah. listening to my intuition and yeah. where I want to be in my production. Yeah. Cause you're right. Otherwise you've wasted four months of time, four months of consulting fees, mm-hmm. four months of other people's times, co-packers time as you're knocking on their doors. And ultimately at the end of the day, you're building a business that doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you, you know, and what you want internally. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thank you for telling our listeners that there is another way and that co-packing isn't, isn't the only option to scale production. Yeah. Okay. It's a permission we don't give ourselves and it's good to acknowledge. Yeah. Thank you for that. Okay. So we're clear on the future. We're defining the right right way to scale our production. Step number three, what happens? Begin preparing for a co-packer. And this really means doing some of the trivial work that we're not super excited about like (laughs) formulation and sourcing ingredients. They often seem like a part of the process that we can skip over or like push down the road. It's more like kick the can down the road kind of work. Like, oh yeah, I'll get to that. But honestly, I think it's so beneficial to get this work out of the way so you don't have to think about it again. There's so much relief and I've seen it time and time again when we start conversations with co-packers and at the end of that conversation, you're excited about this co-packer. They've said the right things there. Of course. They seem like a really good fit. And then they say, hey, just send over your formula after this call and we'll take a look at it. And to see a brand like have peace of mind about that and be able to say, okay, no problem. I'll send it over right after this. Instead of that frantic feeling of like, oh shoot, I haven't done that yet. I I haven't thought about where I'm going to buy certain ingredients. Like not having done that work really delays the entire process down the road. Yeah. I imagine that's when you get the frantic Voxer message in the middle (laughs) of the night from your clients, Ashley, or a frantic email saying, you know, oh shoot, I had a great meeting. And now they want me to just shoot on over my formulation and it causes that food founder to, to spiral. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't experience that because every one of my clients has <laughs> done that formulation ahead of time. So <laughs> you much make them to do some it. of their chagrin, but then they appreciate that moment when yeah. they're like, I am so glad I had that. Like, I'm so glad that it's in the Google drive already. And I don't have to think about it. And yeah. When a brand gets familiar with their formula, it creates so much ease in the process down the road because it's Mm -hmm. not something when you create it, you touch it once until you get to the co-packer. But then it's something you're working with every time you place an order to send them the updated batch card and send them the right amount that you'll be producing. And so having that familiarity with your formulation and being able to be empowered and own that process is really important. Yeah. Well, I, I can only imagine the confidence that comes from that, 
that co-packer, your dream co-packer, let's say you have a great conversation. They say, shoot me over the formulation. And the confidence that that food founder has to say, no problem. I got it. I already worked on it with Ashley. Like we did this weeks ago. Here you go. Rather than the opposite of, oh gosh, my confidence is taking a hit here. I'm going to scramble and get something together, but it's really going to be you know, slap dashed and C minus work and you shoot it over with hesitation rather than that full confidence. Yeah. Mm. I think it's that confidence and it's actually twofold. So you have the confidence sending that formulation over, but it gives your co-packer confidence in you. It starts to build that trust because they see that you stand out from 95% of the brands that they yeah. talk to that don't have a formulation ready. And so it'll, it allows that relationship to start to build a bit. And that to me is like oh, one of the best feelings when you can see a co-packer be impressed by the work that you've done. Yes. If our Retail Ready students are listening, this should sound really, really familiar in our pitch process because it's all about ex- exactly what you're saying, Ashley, all about being professional in the first interaction, basing, building that relationship based off trust and being in the 95th percentile of folks who show up in the inbox and the follow-up so that um, that partner knows that you're legit and knows that you're someone with whom they really want to do, do great work. Yeah. Okay. So is there anything else that that brand needs to prepare or put in place before they start reaching out to co-packers? No, that's really formulation. That's it. Formulation and sourcing. Okay, great. I'm going to ask a intro question for our people who are like our listeners who are not even thinking about co-packing. What do you mean when you say formulation? Give that to me in simple, simple words. (laughs) So formulation is simply taking your recipe and converting it to percentages so that whenever you put in a batch size, it automatically calculates. So if you submit a hundred pound order, and then the next time you order 2,500 pounds, you don't have to change a thing, but your batch size, and it automatically calculates the weight of all the ingredients that you need based on the percentage. Great. So it's like 50% flour, 25% sugar, 10% brown sugar, whatever, right? Exactly. Instead exactly. of two cups flour, yes. one cup sugar. Yes. yes. Great. Uh, Great. It creates a lot of ease for you as you start to grow your batch sizes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So step number three is prepare, beginning to pre- prepare for the co-packer, the formulation and the sourcing. Awesome. Step number four, what are we doing? Searching for co-packers. Okay. And beginning to talk to co-packers. Okay. And I'm betting that this is the step that people generally just go to first. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, and that's, it's an understandable conclusion that we should start (laughs) here. I understand where people are coming from because one, this is what we consider the most exciting part. It's Mm. the part we just want to get to. Like I often say that those first three steps, I find myself constantly pulling back the reins of like, Mm. let's keep a good pace here. Let's 
do the preparation because there's a want to move straight to conversation and to kind of dilly-dally in the search, but then like, oh, I found a co-packer that does this type of product, so I'm just going to call them. Yeah. And there's a lot of benefit to doing some due diligence in that co-packer search portion. So casting our net broad, kind of capturing all the co-packers that we can for the category specifically that we're looking for. Because co-packers, one thing I think that isn't understood about co-packers is that they are small business owners as well. Mm -hmm. They're often brands who've had a product and they decide to scale their self-manufacturing and begin co-packing for others. And so just as our businesses are unique, theirs is unique as well. And Mm -hmm. every co-packer has a different way of approaching production which also means they have very specific products they produce. So I see brands sometimes like, oh, well, I did a co-packer search and I have a salsa. I found a co-packer that does pizzas down the road and <laughs> I, I reached out to them. And, and that's understandable, but I want us to be educated that co-packers are actually highly specialized. They do a very particular product. So knowing your category casting that net broad. And when I say that, I mean a nationwide search to begin Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then beginning to identify, okay, based on some of the things I want and need from a co-packer as far as capabilities, packaging capabilities, um, and then location can be taken into consideration. But to have, to begin to vet with those things and then get clear on. And a lot of this is done just through the hard work of looking at websites before we start reaching out to them. It's time consuming. This is not the fun, at least for me, this is not (laughs) the fun part. I have some people who say they're like, oh, I'm like a ferret. I love digging into the The deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) This is not my favorite place to live. So I empathize with anyone who is like, oh, this doesn't sound like fun. I understand. But this is a part of the process that really makes the next few steps a lot easier. So taking some time here, really vetting co-packers before you ever start conversations with them and getting some clarity first before you start reaching out. Yeah. And I, I hear you say getting so specific as to like, let's use that salsa example, right? Are you a refrigerated salsa? Are you shelf stable? Are you selling in plastic 16 ounce tubs? 16 ounce tubs. Are you selling in glass? Are you hot fill? Like what the what the heck is going on yeah. with your salsa? So we're not wasting time knocking on the pizza kitchen's door just because they also like make a tomato based sauce. Period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think there's you know with the example of salsa. One thing I see sometimes is that like, oh, I have roasted vegetables in my salsa and it's not possible to use frozen roasted vegetables. So I need Mm. a co-packer who can roast. And that means we may start with 150 salsa co-packers on your list. And at the end of the day, once those are vetted, you may end up with five co-packers that you can talk to. And that's okay. It's not about quantity. It's about the quality of co-packers. And so- That's what I want brands to understand is that even once you begin conversations and you say, talk to those five co-packers, 
if there's only one that resonates with you, that's okay. Like we're all, looking all you need is one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What do you mean when you say right co-packer? I think right co-packer in my language means someone who aligns with your values. Mm. I think that's someone that you can communicate really well with because your co-packer relationship is going to be one that you're talking to constantly. And it's really important to be able to have true conversation with them, to be able to reach out to them and not feel uncomfortable and to know that you can trust them. That to me is the ultimate, like you can have just an everyday conversation with a co-packer and it aligns with your values as far as quality of product and what you're looking for um, from a capability standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where I hear brands from time to time say that that they have to compromise on their values because there are you know so few co-packers out there who will do their specific type of product or that they they are in that urgent place where they're like, oh, I got a big PO from you know, Whole Foods coming down the line. Like I I have to solve this now, Ashley. And I got to, I've got to compromise on my values. Have you seen brands had have to make this hard decision? Yeah. For some brands, they may be with a co-packer. They're not super excited about because Mm -hmm. they have either a very unique product or their timeline just didn't allow for the time to do their due diligence. I like to believe that there's a co-packer for everyone. And so I think I've seen on regular occasion that we may start down a path talking to a co-packer and feel decent about that relationship. And then maybe there's just one little red flag that comes Mm -hmm. up and it's like, oh, hold on. We thought we were headed down this path. Let's pause and take a step back and reevaluate and going down a different path to find another co-packer. Yeah. And oftentimes I see that that process, like it can slow us up a month or two sometimes, but there's so much value in knowing yeah. that you spend that month or two instead of spending tens of thousands of dollars and then having to do that again in a couple of years. Oh, so it's yeah. worth the month or two to listen to your intuition and really take your time as much as possible in this process. Yeah, absolutely. I just did a podcast ep- episode with Ibrahim Basir of A Dozen Cousins. Mm-hmm. And he ha- he and I had a long conversation about values. And one of the things that, that he emphasized too is it's just getting clear on what your non-negotiable values are yes. and identifying where you might be open to some wiggle room. Yeah. Um, and knowing, I imagine, Ashley, this might come up with co-packing too, that you might have something that is an absolute non-negotiable. Like this is essential for us. This is essential for who we are as a brand, but also we're willing to be flexible on this other thing over here, not yeah. as crucial as our number one and number two value. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to say it is what are my non-negotiable mm-hmm. versus my Maybe slightly flexible. Right. My nice to haves. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I think we're, we're so, um, I want to be really clear for our listeners. We're not telling you to do anything that is, that isn't aligned, right. Or to compromise on things that, that you feel very, very strongly about, but, but know that, um, 
just identify, yeah, what are what are those things where those spaces where you might be a little bit more flexible? Because that might, I imagine that might broaden the co-pack research as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Okay. So step number four, we're searching and we're talking to co-packers. Yeah. And when we're reaching out to co-packers, it's just a conversation. I, I think we put a lot of pressure on these conversations. Like uh, it's very structured. It's like kind of frantic for a lot of people. I think there's often, you know, and this isn't something we do every day. So there's a bit yeah. of like unease and not a lot of confidence around it sometimes. And just having understanding that it's just another conversation. You're just looking to build a relationship with this co-packer. And the one question I think that allows, you know, we, whenever I go into a conversation with a co-packer for the first time, I typically have a list of 40 to 50 questions in front of me. They're, I'm not asking all those, <laughs> but they're in front of me as yep. an important gauge. But the one question that makes all the difference in the world is simply tell me about your business and let them go. I often find that I don't have to talk for the next 20 minutes and I can just ask follow-up questions then. <laughs> and it's the easiest way to understand what their values are as a co-packer, who they are as a brand, how they work with clients, what type of products they produce. Mm-hmm. They'll likely spell all of that out for you by answering that one question. Yeah. Tell me about your business. Mm-hmm. So simple. Yeah. Love it. Great. Okay. So we're talking to co-packers. Ashley, I know our listeners are wondering. So I, I, I want to ask one last question on this step. How do you feel about some of these databases that are floating around with co-packer lists? And, you know, is is there a place when some where someone can magically go, enter in their search? And get their perfect match popped out. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was. Yeah. There's, you know, co-packers are constantly appearing. Some go out of business. Mm-hmm. So it's a very difficult database to keep up. And whenever I go through a search, I use some of these databases that are mm-hmm. out there. And it's it's just about doing your due diligence. Yeah. There's not a super easy way to go about it. It is time consuming. Yep. It is, it, it requires a bit of work and it's yeah. that elbow grease kind of work where you're just doing research and it's time consuming. And yeah, unfortunately there's not a one-stop shop that you yep. just plug in <laughs> your search and it pops out a list. Like yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be someone behind it, whether it's you or someone you hire to do a search for you. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody's time behind it. That's what I, that's what I figured. It's exactly like, you know, folks who would try to sell our retail ready students list of buyer names of wholesale buyer yes. names and contact info. And yeah, that list can be somewhat helpful, but for a very short period of time until that, you know, that wholesale buyer moves on to the next gig or their email address changes or their extension changes or whatever. So I'm picking up that it's the same thing, but there's, it it changes so rapidly. It's always evolving. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Okay, cool. So we're searching, we're talking to co-packers. We get to step number five. What happens here? Yes. So at this phase, we're 
testing with a co-packer. And testing simply means we're taking your formula and producing it at the co-packer in a small batch. So Mm -hmm. that can vary in size. A lot of times I, I like to say start thinking in terms of a hundred pound batch. That's often like for small co-packers, that's a reasonable amount that you should think about. Now for some, like I had a beverage brand and our minimum order was three and a half pallets for a test. And so that's very different. It's a different type of product though. So keeping in mind that testing is all about just working through some of the tweaks that are going to be made. And I like to use the example that I've done hundreds of tests with co-packers. I've only ever had two tests that went exactly as planned with the exact formula we took in. Okay. (laughs) There's just a little bit of flexibility that's needed. And that's exactly what test day is for. It is to work through like, oh, we we need to add a bit more water to get it to the texture that we need, or Mm -hmm. we need to adjust the bake time by a minute or two and bring it down. We need to adjust because our humidity is not quite the same in this part of the country as where you're producing. Right. So there's just small changes that based on the equipment and location and different aspects that you're going to tweak a bit. But the great thing is co-packers are so familiar with their processes and you're familiar with your product. And so if you're there on site working mm-hmm. collaboratively it really is just like brainstorming. What can we tweak? It's actually a really fun day if you allow it to be a little fluid. So yeah. it can be, test days are some of my favorites because it really is just like, oh, let's see how this works out and what it comes to. And for those people out there who love doing product development, yeah. you're going to love test day. It is yes. just really a dream. And I think going into it with an open mind and Mm -hmm. just keeping in mind that some things are going to change and we, we're just going to float with that. Okay. So it's not a red flag if my formula or my process needs to change a little bit coming out of testing. Yeah. It's, it's quite common and Mm -hmm. something that I think is really beneficial because it allows you to really fine tune your product to the manufacturer's process, which is probably something you had to do in your own kitchen if you're producing yourself anyways. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah, It's a great point. I think sometimes that we had that phase, if you're producing in your Mm -hmm. own kitchen, where you just had to do some tweaks and like figure out your bake times and figure out your mix times. And it's just part of the process and going into it with that in mind is, is really good. Well, what I appreciate about hearing you you talk through this is it's just about having the right expectations for the test day, right? Because I imagine for a producer listening, they're like, okay, well, Allie, like if I'm producing three pallets, that's a lot of ingredient cost, that's bottles and packaging that is going to be wasted if it's not something that we can sell at the end of it. Like, you know, it's... It, it's a big investment to do a test day if it doesn't lead to a successful batch, right? Mm-hmm. But I wonder if I wonder if it's just about resetting expectations and seeing this test day as a step on the path to a successful relationship and successful production. 
Yeah, I think that's such a good way to frame it. And mm-hmm. I see that test day a lot of times, like the conversations that take place that day are honestly, it's a very intimate day. Like usually yeah. you have the whole team in place, <laughs> like the owners on the floor with you. Mm-hmm. It is just all hands on deck usually. Yeah. And it's a really great day for building trust. And so if you can be level-headed throughout this entire process and show that I'm a brand that you want to work with and you can see that your co-packer is also level-headed, it just, it can be a magical like momentum to a relationship. Yeah. And I think it's a really beneficial day, even if you don't have product come out that you can sell, knowing that you're laying the foundation of that relationship, I think is really important. Totally. totally. And we can always be creative too, right? Like if our exactly. if our listeners are here being like, okay, well, I literally cannot afford to lose this product. Okay, like let's get creative and think about as long as it's food safe, right? Like let's sell it with a flash flash sale and recoup your costs. And it's can be like a fun little test batch, like give us your feedback sort of sale. Like we can get creative. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think there's, you know, we kind of view it as like, oh, it's all a loss when in reality, like there's other ways to like work with that product. And I, I know for my own product, we, we did a donation on the first Mm. round and it went to an event that needed a sponsorship and that's what we used it for. And it's, you know, it's, you have to get creative sometimes. And, and of course we want that to be usable product, but I think going into it without that expectation is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One question on the, on the testing. And then I, I want to get to our last step, Ashley, when should the brand expect to talk about pricing with a co-packer? This is a really good question. And I'm glad you brought it up because I think pricing is something brands want on the front end, right? Yeah. That we want to know when we have that first conversation with a co-packer, like, tell me about your pricing. There are some types of products that can do that. Like for instance, my beverage product was just a very mainstream, like here's the pricing sheet mm-hmm. that happens with one out of a thousand products. Yeah. <laughs> so pricing typically comes after the test and that test, like we're tweaking all that process and really working to fine tune is also giving the co-packer an idea of, okay, how much labor does this take? How many units are we running per hour? How are we, you know, what does the process look like for us? And it starts to give them an idea of what pricing Mm -hmm. will look like. So I like to say to expect pricing within a month after the test, Sometimes you'll see it within a week, but to give the co-packer a little bit of time with your product and start to develop that pricing formula on their part is just a really good basis, I think. Yeah. And what I hear is that like, yeah, sure. They might say they can give you an estimate beforehand, but they don't actually know until they get your product on the line and see how much like you said, how much labor goes into doing it, how like they might tweak the formulation and use a little bit more of your most expensive spice or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's it important. Change. It might change. It's important for a brand to, to take that time even before they get to this part of the process, but to take time to understand what their true 
cost is for yeah. the product. So understanding what your labor costs are producing the product yourself and what your packaging cost is, having everything broken out and laid out in a very concise form allows you then to say like, oh, this is my range that I mm-hmm. need the co-packer to be within. Mm-hmm. And if you get pricing back and it's outside of that, then okay, let's take a moment to reflect on that. I have asked the question of negotiating with co-packers and and we've done it with brands. You know, you simply go back and have a conversation. It goes back to that trust, right? And saying that, hey, this is actually my my range that I need to be in. Can you be within that? And and we've gotten yeses many of the times. And I don't want to like put co-packers in a box and say that they'll always negotiate. But there is benefit to knowing what your price range is. And if you want it to be win-win, how do you like try to fit within that? But right. having that knowledge allows you to say yes or no fairly quickly mm-hmm. after getting pricing. Yeah. Okay. So let's say it's a yes. Mm-hmm. You shake hands, you sign your contracts, like all those things. It's a yes. What's What's our last step? Yeah, this is the exciting part. I think this is, uh, we move into production and this Mm -hmm. is the part that there's just a lot of momentum between testing and production usually. Like this is the part of the process that, you know, when we were talking about vetting co-packers and that taking time and due diligence and there's really not a way around the time consuming part. Once you get to testing and start moving to that first production, there is momentum and you can start moving into this process. So there's some things that I recommend having lined out. Okay. And so we're planning that first production, usually within a month after testing, Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty quick process. And so knowing what's your sales growth plan, like- You need to have that in place as to what accounts you're going to start approaching because you're going to have inventory on hand soon. And <laughs> it's important to have a plan for that right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because, you know, like people come into retail ready and they're like, we just did our first production run. Help me sell it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. But like, uh, we can, yes. But also I really yeah. would have loved it if you had been in retail ready six months ago. <laughs> Yes. I think having that plan, also knowing like, what's your plan for shipping? What's your plan for storage? Those types of pieces of the puzzle that maybe you haven't had to worry about because you've been making product to order. Right. And now you're going to have inventory. It's a completely different animal. Like you, your cash flow is going to be a bit different as well because you're buying more product and keeping that inventory on hand so you can sell it. I don't, you know, increase your volumes. And so it's creating some strategy around how incrementally do you want to grow your inventory with each production run? Mm -hmm. And how are you supporting that with your sales growth as well? Yeah, great. Okay. So, I mean, there's so many themes that mirror wholesale strategy, but at the end of the day, it's having a plan in place. Exactly, and, and you know, Ashley, I love your approach of taking it one step at a time, staying calm throughout this process, but also keep on looking to the big picture. Yeah, is that I, I sense there's such a balance here. It's one step at a time, but you've got to know where you're going. Yeah, I think it's it's that approach of like being committed 
to the journey and then Mm -hmm. taking one step at a time to build calm confidence as you scale your production. And I think there's just something so beautiful when a brand, I, I see this on a regular basis, like there's something in the middle, maybe month four in the mm-hmm. process that people are like, I'm just ready to run. I'm like <laughs> ready to go. Like I want to be in this process. And then when they make it to the end of the process and look back like, oh, I have inventory now. I have a co-packer that I trust. And they look back and they're like, gosh, that was so easy. How did we get here? Because they just took it one step at a time without that like frantic feeling to run full-fledged ahead. Yeah. Oh, Ashley, I said it at the beginning, but I just... I know that every brand who is going through their co-packer search needs the calm energy that you bring to this process. Mm, It makes such a difference. It does. And it's such a better feeling to go through the process with it when it's not, oh, when you don't feel that pressure. And when you do, to take a look at that long-term and see like, okay, that's what I'm working towards. And I'm just going to take it, take that next step. And then the next step after that. And gosh, it's such a good feeling. Mm, Yes. I love it. I, gosh, this was such a fun episode to do just because of your calm energy. I feel like I just had a, I don't know. I'm so refreshed at the end of this episode. I, I so appreciate it, Ashley. So for our listeners who also value this calm approach and who know they're on the path to finding a co-packer. I've got two questions for you. One, I know that you launched a course on co-packing. Can you tell me a little bit about the course and what's involved? And then tell me how people can find out about that. How can people keep in touch with you? Where do they stay connected if the if this episode resonated with them? Yeah. So thank you for mentioning the course. Yeah. Um, it's called Co-Packing and Beyond, and it walks brands through these exact six steps we just talked about with that calm reassurance mm. and the hope of finding the right co-packer. And I teach it in a podcast form, so it's meant to be taken with you wherever you want to listen to it and work through it. And it really is just a beautiful process to start take it step by step and um, yeah, work through the process that I've used with brands over the last six or seven years. Yeah. When you emailed me earlier this year and said that you were launching the co-packing course, I I kid you not, I like (laughs) popped my fist and, (laughs) you know, cheered across my computer screen because I have just seen so many brands try to DIY it they try to frantically find their own co-packer and the in the end it is it leads to some challenges it can lead to some challenges and so i'm i'm so thrilled that there's finally a support out there that feels so values aligned yeah and i think it, gosh when you you just said i think diy and it makes me think about like this value that I have to not reinvent the wheel. And that's what I want for brands is use my insight, take what I've learned the hard way. (laughs) Like, please just learn from the way that I've approached it 
over and over and over again and like really tweaked it and fine tuned it so that brands can move with ease through this process. And, and that's truly what I want is for brands to have the knowledge that they need to move easily through this process. Yeah. Brands can be experts. Founders can be experts on their own brands and the product and the sales process and all of that. But our listeners don't need to be experts in co-packer negotiations and relationships. You can be that. You are the expert, Ashley. Let's invite them to, to, you know, leave that role behind in their business. Yeah, exactly. I think taking the insights where you can find them and like help letting other people help grow our businesses. Totally. Okay. So how can people stay in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm at copackingwithashley.com. And a good way to stay in touch is by signing up for our newsletter. It's a weekly newsletter where I just offer kind of this soft approach to business, just some insights, ponderings, thoughts that I have. And it's something that I really enjoy writing every week. And I love getting to communicate and hear back from readers of the newsletter. And if anyone wants to take the course, it's also on the website under Copacking with Ashley at Copacking and Beyond. We'll put all of that in the show notes. And I just, I want to emphasize again, I also subscribe to to your newsletter. There are very few newsletters that I actually open week in and week out. And Ashley, yours is truly a gift in my inbox every week. I find so much motivation there. I love your storytelling approach. It's just that calm Mm. thing that I need in my inbox every week. So I'll also encourage our listeners to, to sign up for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, of it's, course. I just want to be a restful part in everybody's weeks. Mm, so. It is. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for being a guest here again with us. And and thank you for your, your radically fresh and calm approach to co-packing. Thanks, Allie. Okay, my whizzes. That was such a valuable episode. It was so full of Ashley's specific actionable info for food founders who are looking to scale up with a co-packer or without. So I want to know from our listeners, what, what resonated from today's show? Send me a DM through Instagram, connect with me on LinkedIn and tell me what, which one of these steps, one through six, do you need to focus on next after listening to the episode? So as always, if you're looking to connect with our guests, you can find Ashley's full contact information and her website and her newsletter sign up directly in our show notes. If you loved her calm, values-aligned approach to co-packing, make sure to click through and connect with her. And as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to episode 197 of the Food Biz Whiz podcast, and we will see you next week as always. Bye. Thanks for listening to Food Biz Whiz. If you're enjoying this podcast and the tools it gives you for growing your packaged product business, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. From one small business owner to another, I am deeply grateful for your support of this podcast, and I appreciate it when you share it with your fellow food founders, share it on social media, or leave me a review on your listening platform. Ready for more? Find out how we can work together at foodbizwiz.com. I'll see you right back here next week.